Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for downloading this week's episode of the Intelligence Squared podcast. It was recorded at a studio in Soho in London and features Caitlyn Jenner, the world's most famous transgender woman, in conversation with Guardian columnist and broadcaster Jonathan Friedland. They talked about US politics, Caitlin's fascinating personal journey and the recent revolution in how people think and talk about gender and sexuality. We hope you enjoy listening. So we're here with uh, Caitlin Jenner. And Caitlin, just before the microphone was switched on, you just revealed that you had sampled a, a British pub yes. last night here in London. And that's great that you've done that. But just tell me how you were received there in a pub environment. I am not the typical uh, trans experience um, kind of because the way everything worked out, um, I'm always treated with love and respect. Um, there has only been, over the last two and a half years, a couple of times, some people have been confused with the whole thing um, and don't understand the issues. And sometimes within the community, uh, there's there can be a lot of hatred. Um, within the community? Yes. It's more comes from within the community. As in other trans people? Mm, yes. And uh, so for me, it's been a very positive experience. People come up to me literally every day and come up with a story of a trans cousin or bringing this issue forward or thank you for being so brave. Um, so any place I go in the world... To be honest with you, the response is pretty much the same. So Thank take, you for bringing this issue forward. So take us into the pub last night. Um, people recognize you. People come up to you. Londoners pride themselves on being quite cool with celebrity and often yes. not bothering celebrities. But did they? Did people come up to you? Uh, at the pub, no. But people certainly were, you could tell, staring and you know, kind of checking you out. When if you walk down the street in London... Um, I always tell people, walk 10 feet behind me, because then you hear what they have to say. Uh, okay. Oh, my God. Did you know who that was? It just passed, you know? Um, yeah, you get recognized pretty much every place you go. Um, I always wonder why you get recognized. One, um, I don't know if it's, you know, I've been in the public's eye since 1976, really. Um, and then with the show, uh, with, you know, our family does. Um, the success of that over the last 11 years. Um, but certainly things have changed over the last couple of years. Yep, you could say and, that. Uh, which, yes, you can say that. And it always surprises me that people kind of recognize you any place you go. Um, yeah, and it's, to me, it's, it's, it's a job. It's uh, uh, something I, I like people. I also feel 
an obligation, not just to myself, um, that I'm just I'm that type of person. I'm friendly. I like people. Um, I like talking to people. I like learning about other people. I love when they ask me questions and all that kind of stuff. But I also feel a responsibility for the trans community. I would say probably 90% of the people who will come up and say something have never met anybody who's trans. And I want that to be a good, positive experience to represent the community. And so I'm always overwhelmingly nice. I try to, you know, they all want their selfies. And I probably took 30 selfies yesterday, Hmm. you know, with people on the street. Oh, can I have a picture and this and that? Um, So, yeah. And I always I try my best to say yes to everybody and, you know, give them a good shot. But that's interesting. And you do that partly because not just because you want to be nice as uh, Caitlyn Jenner, but also you feel a kind of ambassadorial responsibility that you're representing other trans people. And therefore... You need to give a good account of that I community. Want that, I want it to be a great experience. I have to say probably the most fun thing that I have had over the last two and a half years since I came out. I never met anybody who was trans. Before until, you. Until I came out. I couldn't. I you couldn't were the first trans myself. person you'd met. Well, yes. Actually, a girl named uh, Gina Rosaro, who came out as a trans woman in on uh, on TED Talks. And I watched her speech and it was like 11 minutes long. And she was just brilliant. And she was certainly not visibly trans. She was a model and uh, from the Philippines, uh, a model, and her agent didn't even know she was trans. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, but she felt a responsibility to the community to come out and tell her story, uh, which I had a tremendous amount of respect for because she didn't have to. You mean she could have, if you like, passed as a a woman who had been born a woman and no no one would have known any different. Nobody would have. Right. She was a gorgeous woman. Uh, She was the first one I met uh, that I was very excited. And the next night I had dinner with a bunch of girls and stuff like that. But I have met over the last two and a half years some of the most amazing people who have overcome so much in their life, just their identity and who they are as a person. Um, dealing with family matters because when you transition and you do that, it's not just you that it affects. It affects everybody around you. And especially in my case, older, having a lot of children, you know, I have more history there. It's not like I was 14 years old when I did this, uh, when you didn't have a lot of history and you kind of just move on in life. Uh, I had a lot of history there and a lot of things I had to overcome to be able to do this and a lot of adjustment, not just to me, but for other people. Well, I'm hoping in this conversation we're going to be able to get into a whole lot of the areas you've just touched on there. But the very last thing you just said about this history and that you'd obviously had, you know, years on the clock or, or Already, and they were notable years. You were famous in that incarnation, if you like, and in that phase of your life. So this is what I wanted to ask you about first, which is, I mean, you know, there are so many different trans stories, a different story for every person oh, who's yeah. made, made this journey. But the, what's really uh, unusual with you, and it may be you're, you're the only person, is that in some ways you were, as a male, a kind of ultimate male in the sense of a sporting hero, legend. As a child, I I remember watching the Olympic Games in 1976. I was an Olympics nerd that year. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching and admiring that career there. And that's a kind of pinnacle of maleness in a way to be a sporting champion, an athletics gold medal winner. And then now as uh, Caitlin, 
admired, a, you know, a cover girl on Vanity Fair, admired as being a beautiful woman. And so in, in a single life to have been in some ways, and I know it's only one version of maleness and one version of femaleness, athletic accomplishment, beauty, but you have actually lived at the pinnacle of both those sort of male and female stories. And I, just... I, have, I have the ultimate double. Olympic decathlon champion, glamorous woman of the year. Okay? <laughs> Come on. That's a life. That's it, a doesn't, it doesn't get any better than that. My life has been very, very, very interesting, to say the least. Um, a lot of people wonder, uh, when they see somebody transition, especially from male to female, you're going from what society thinks of maleness as the dominant, strong, physically strong emotionally strong person to what society thinks of as a weak, physically more weak, um, emotionally more weak uh, person, females. Mm. Okay. They just have that in their head. That's what it's like. And why would you go from that strong, in my case, you know, Olympic champion, all of that, and give all that away and be like kind of this weak female? Mm. Well, to be honest with you, I don't look at it that way. Okay. Uh, Number one, uh, Caitlin has always been inside, always lived, always been with me from the time I was, you know, growing up. She was always there. Um, Nobody ever saw it. As far as the Olympic side of it, uh, I give Caitlin a lot of credit for that. Um, I was also a dyslexic kid. And so I just perceptually had a hard time picking words up off a piece of paper. Plus, I had back in the 50s and 60s, you know, all these all this gender in my head. And why am I like this? And there wasn't even a name for it back then. You just didn't know. You just kept your mouth shut. But because of that, when I found sports started in fifth grade. But when I found sports, I latched on to it because I needed that. I needed to prove myself never knowing how far I would go with it. But I guarantee you that little, that, that, all the feelings that I had inside pushed me harder. I trained harder. I worked harder. I was smarter than the next guy because I had more to prove to myself about my worthwhile. Am I a worthwhile human being? And this was my opportunity. Never know. So this is the, when, what you mean when you say Caitlin made a contribution to your sporting achievements. It was, in a way, this need to prove resolve my something or prove your masculinity. Yeah, like to all yourself. that stuff is wrong. Caitlin really doesn't live, uh, and I go after it. So I out-trained the guys. I outworked the guys. It was more important to me to win, and that was part of Bruce. And That's was that because was. Bruce or because you were trying to... Re- press Caitlin in yes, a way? Yes, of course. Of course mm. it was. Yeah, it's like, I, you know, if, I, if I'm if i really masculine, I don't have to worry about her. Okay? But to be honest with you, when I talk about it in my book, The Secrets of My Life, and I, I the next day after the games, uh, I woke up and I didn't have a stitch of clothes on and I walk into the bathroom and the medal was sitting there on the counter and I put it around and I looked in the mirror and I said, oh my God, what do I do now? Where's the next place I'm going to kind of hide? Because it hadn't hadn't resolved any of these issues. No, and in some ways, it made a lot of those issues more difficult. How? Because Bruce was, this image I had of, you know, Bruce that the world saw was not me. Okay? And I built this character up so big that maybe I'm stuck with this character. You know, maybe I'm stuck with Bruce. And... To me, that was scary. 
And so in a way, when you saw yourself in the mirror with the gold medal, and as, it was, as we've said, this almost masculine sort of hero type, that felt even more alien huge. from Caitlin than Yes, than he before. was so big. I'm yeah. stuck with, I just, I'm stuck with this character now, mm. you know, in the world's perception. Yes. Um, and so what did I do? I, you know, took a big gulp and said, okay, let's just depress her. And um, I was fortunate enough the next day to get offered a job and, uh, you know, start working, uh, building a career, uh, start family. And so for many years, for uh, about the next nine years, I just dove into work and family and learning the television business. Because you were a sports commentator on television. Mm -hmm. Yes. Broadcasting. And broadcasting. And then um, I got... Oh, to the early 80s, and I just couldn't take it any longer. I went through six years of the worst times in my life where I didn't care about work. Uh, I got a little house in Malibu and basically stayed in the house for six years. I never felt like I fit in anywhere. I had built this character up so big, and it wasn't me. Uh, I was going, finally found a therapist that deals, deals with gender identity. Uh, talking to her, I was on hormones. Uh, I was going and having, you know, electrolysis, get the beard removed. I said, I am going to transition before I'm 40. I don't want to be an old chick, okay? I'm just going to do this. And this is all through the 80s. And you were a father at this point. I was a father, but I wasn't a good father at this point. I had four kids, uh, been divorced, uh, had four children, and I, I just... And I talk about it in the book. I just wasn't. A, I was too. I had too many issues of, in my own of my own to deal with them. To deal almost. with them mm. all the time. Mm. I mean, I tried some this and that, but I I I didn't. Uh, I I just didn't do a good job. You know, I could have done much better. And you had made this. So we should get back on it because you had made this decision that you wanted to make this step before you were forty, mm-hmm. and you were actually in the process. I think you were, as you mentioned, you were taking hormones, yeah. etc. So, so what, why did you not go the last step, if you like? That's the big question, sixty-four thousand dollar question. And then the only way I can justify it today, it wasn't time. Hmm. It just wasn't time. It wasn't time within society. You know, in the eighties, it was life this issue was in a different place the only really people that i had that i even knew about who were dealing with this is going all the way back to christine jorgensen who you know back in the 50s and 60s um and then renee richards um she was like 1977 um and uh uh she wasn't treated that well uh, within the media they thought it was kind of more of a freak show right um very and, glamorous and on the cover of magazines, etc. Yes, but, but yes, but, as an exception rather. Than... Yes, and so it just within society, within my life, within everything, it just the simple answer is it just wasn't time for me. Hmm. Okay, so um, I want to pick in a... the age of thirty nine. I thought, oh my god, I can't, I just can't go any farther. You know, I got off hormones, I did this and that. I said maybe I should just get back into life. You know, and boy, about three or four months later, I met Chris and we hit it off. And for the next, you know, almost 25 years, um, you know, that was my life. I got back into family, had more kids, picked up, you know, some stepkids. Uh, We wound up having two, Kendall and Kylie. um, And I just dove into family and work. And now I had a reason to work again because I had this massive family. And when you met Chris, how much did Chris Kardashian did uh, as what would become? But how much did... 
um, Shino about the transitioning or the semi-transition process you'd at that point already undergone? I had to be honest with her, obviously. Um, when you get on hormones, uh, there are some changes that go on, and I had to make her aware of that. So I'm sure I, down, I downplayed it as much as I probably could, but I certainly was honest with her. Uh, because at that time, uh, I didn't think I would ever. I, I, there's just no way I can do this. I'm just, you know, I just can't do this. Yeah. Um, and was she accepting of that? Uh, somewhat, yes. She was accepting to the point we got wound up getting married and had two more kids. And, yeah, we had a very good life together. But was it kind of accepting in a sort of let's never talk about this kind of way? Or was it accepting? A little bit of that. Yeah. Yes, a little bit of that. And I, I respected that. And so... Um, yeah, and uh, I, I, I'm sure at that time, because I had gone through such hell for years, that I I never thought at that time I would ever be in a, in a position to transition. Okay. I want to pick up something you said before. We, I don't want to leave it behind. It's something about your early life, and you said that about Caitlin then, that no one ever saw her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested in that because often when you speak to trans people, they say, actually, looking back in their early life, just as children... There were signs there if people wanted to read them. And I'm just thinking, even in your childhood or earlier, is it really right there was no clue on the to the obviously to you on the inside, but on the outside, was, was really Caitlin not present at all in terms of even just how you dressed, behaved as a child? Uh, my mother didn't even know. Hmm. She was actually the last one I told. I told all my family, friends. It was the hardest one to tell was my mom. Um, and of course, her reaction, because for years I had been destroyed in the tabloids. Uh, they were just, I would have, you know, before I actually did this, I'd have four or five paparazzi cars following me everywhere I went and taking pictures and making up stories. And On these lines, though? Because this the, is, yeah, before I transitioned. But, but they this, suspected something on these oh, lines. Oh, they've was been happening. suspecting, uh, going all the way back to the 80s. Really? Yeah. Um, and my mother had obviously seen all of these stories and, you know, going through the grocery line and she goes, what is going on? I said, oh, mom, it's the tabloids. Just come on, just move on. And uh, then eventually I had to tell her. So, no, I was very good at hiding it. Um, but like I talk a lot about in the book, um, I had my ways of surviving. Um, I cross-dressed, um, I, you know, drove around cross-dressed. I never talked to anybody because I was afraid my voice would always give me away. Um, And so I had a little secret life going on on the side and trying to just to feel better about myself. Um, and when you say you and so, speak yeah, to... and I never got caught. I mean, I would be at hotels and walk through the lobby that way and this and that. And I was pretty, pretty good at I got I got real good at, you know changing my appearance enough that I could get away with it. But you would never take the risk of speaking to someone as Caitlin. No, no and I, I couldn't because no. my voice would give me away. Yeah, and the um, and that and that felt on some level liberating to walk through a hotel lobby or to drive along on the freeway. Yes, cr- cross dressing. It, it was very, it was very liberating. I felt uh, I, I so enjoyed doing it. I tried everything. And it got more and more difficult, especially near the end when Chris and I. Uh, Especially with the show getting so big, I had to be so careful. Um, it was, I, I would go on the road and have two suitcases, one for her, one for me, because the only time I really could do that is when I was away from the house. And that's the way, kind of the rules were at the house. 
Um, so when you see so that's in just stopping you for a second, but yeah. I know that pronouns becomes a big issue around the whole trans question. But that was of very course. interesting to me just then. You said one for her, one for me. So that's the me of the past. That's the Bruce yeah, me yeah, there. Yeah, at the time. That and was, her yeah. was then the other person. Was and now the... you would presumably put it the other way around. You would say one for me and one for him, would you now? That, that's true. Yes, we, we have moved things around. You know, that's one thing. The whole pronoun thing for our community is just like a, a huge and this and that. And they, you've got to get the pronouns right and this and that. I'm not a stickler on the pronouns. People are going to mess up. Um, I mess up, you know, especially at the beginning. Uh, I, I would mess up with the pronoun thing. Um, and that's okay. Uh, and one of the reasons why a lot of people find you approachable on this subject is that you are not a judgmental person about people getting it wrong, as you've just Yeah, put it. no, I'm not. And I there are some I people... had one the other day. Go on. I had one. I was going into Starbucks, and this guy, and I, you know was looking good. I had a nice little outfit on. I was going into Starbucks, and this guy goes, Bruce, can I have a selfie? Hmm. And the back of my head, I'm thinking, there is no way. You know, not only did he misgender you, he also used the wrong name. Yes. Now, nobody, I mean, it's been two and a half years since it's been Caitlin. And to me, that was very disrespectful. And I just took a breath and suck it up and say, oh, okay, you know. You did it. And so I took the picture with him and left, and that was it, and he was gone. Um, and you didn't say anything about, look, my name is Caitlin. Yeah. Well, I've had a couple of them come up. I had one guy come up in the grocery store. He goes, he comes up while I'm in the grocery store, pushing the cart, and uh, he goes, Oh, my God, I can't believe it's you. He goes, when I was growing up, you were like my hero, you know, just loved you and this and that. And he said, look at you now. And he had a friend with him. Their friend's trying trying to calm him down. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, look at you now. And I go, yeah, okay. Um, He goes, I just don't get it. You know, I I just don't get it. And I said, well, that's understandable. And he goes, what do I even call you? And I said, well, my... Uh, driver's license says Caitlin. My birth certificate says Caitlin. You know, every piece of document right down to my passport says Caitlin Jenner. Uh, I think probably Caitlin would be appropriate. And he goes, oh, my God, I, I just don't know. I just can't handle this. But I think that's also the attitude of a lot of people out there. They don't understand the issue. And it's my job to try to explain. So I was very nice to him, you know, said, you know, this is my life. This is how I'm been very, very, very happy with where I'm at right now in my life. Sponsoring the show for this episode is Marquee TV. Marquee TV is a streaming service with a difference. It's bringing you the top tier of performing arts straight into your living room or onto your device. So think dance, theatre, music, anything you might find in the West End, Broadway, or maybe a cool little experimental space too, but saving you the cost of a few tickets as well. I've got happily a bit lost in their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. Choreographer Jonathan Watkins' interpretation of George Orwell's classic 1984 was pretty cool, and I love the dance piece, Sutra, inspired by the skills of what is Shaolin monks. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents. With the code squared, simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo promo code squared to dive into the world of arts like never before bring the arts home with marquee tv hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We've talked just before we started recording about this question of the name and um, and, and uh, naming oneself. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been talking about Caitlin being a person present in your life from the beginning, in a way. Yeah. Did did that person inside you always have the name Caitlin? No, no, no. There's nothing more difficult than naming yourself. Okay. Now they say, in kind of like uh, in the trans world. A good way to figure out what how to name yourself, call up your mom and say, Mom, if I was going to be... Because back when I was born, they didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl, so uh-huh. they always had two names. I said, you know, and ask her, what was the female name? And my mom couldn't remember. I said, okay, well, <laughs> good. Okay, so I don't have to worry about that one. And uh, so it didn't go that way. And I... I had thought, you know, by just listening to a song, yeah. I remember there was this song when I was in college about Heather, and I thought, oh, that's kind of a cool name. And so I kind of inside named myself that. You and sort of I tried said, that's it on not to working. see how it Yeah, felt. I kind of try it on in my head if that's going to work. I would literally sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and watch like the Miss America pageant. And at the beginning, they have like 50 women getting introduced and 50 names. How perfect is that? Okay. And sit there and look at them and see how they look and this and that. And it says, what about this name? What about that name? And go through names and this. And I kind of narrowed it down to maybe three or four, kind of what I liked. Um, Because I would get the question like the therapist or uh, even when I was explaining to my kids or somebody uh, about my life and the things I'm dealing with, they all go, well, then what's your name? And I go, oh, God, don't even ask me that question. I've struggled with it. Then I was with, which wound up one uh, eventually being my assistant, um, uh, what was going on. And she said to me, she goes, well, well, then what what do I call you? What's your name? And I go, oh, God, I still can't get that. She goes, well, you know what? I always like the name Caitlin and spelt it a little different. It's C-A-I-T-L-Y-N. And uh, I go, oh, my God, that's that was one of the on the short list. Oh. It was on the short list. And at some point, you just kind of have to bite the bullet and say, OK, that's it. Because you kind of grow into your name. And uh, and I wanted to and I saw Spelling it without a K and a C was a good thing because I wanted to differentiate myself from all the K's in the family. Right, that's been done. Yes, that's been done. And uh, so I just thought that night, okay, that's it. We're done with that. That's it. We're moving on. See, one thing that strikes me listening to you speak, particularly about that period in your 30s when you were pretty committed at one point to yeah. transitioning and then you pull back and said, now's probably not the right time. Yeah. And then this happens later on in your life. Whether in a way um, we are too rigid about these words and the idea of uh, you just even the notion of the transitioning as if it's a sort of finite event. Is it perhaps the case, actually, that these things are different at different points in a single life? And that it, rather than saying they were this and now they're that, people can move in and out of these things over a lifetime or not? Uh, no, I... Every journey is different. Okay? Every journey is different. When you are... When you su- suffer from gender dysphoria, let me do this. Jonathan, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. okay? And it's a simple question. But I guarantee it's a question you've never been asked in your life. And I want to take a 
just a minute to think about it. Okay. And this simple little question is this. Jonathan, when did you know you were a boy? That's a great question, isn't it? And you're right, I've never been asked it before. And let's think, I'd, on one level, always and forever. And then on another level, there would be no moment at which I ever thought that. Go, tell me what's in your mind. And the reason I asked that question yeah. is because probably for the first time in your life, you were thinking about gender and your identity and about who you are. Um, it wasn't about sexuality because gender identity or being trans is not about sex. It's not. It doesn't have anything to do with what's going on between your legs. It's all what's between your ears. It's in your head. It's who you are. It's what your soul is. Now, for most people like yourself, as you struggle to even think about that, um, it's it's really not an issue in your life. So you just kind of move on. But for somebody who's trans, somebody who suffers from gender dysphoria, that question is in their head. All the time. 24 hours a day, 365 days out of the year for the rest of their life. It's not like you can take two aspirin to get plenty of sleep, wake up the next morning, you're going to be fine. It's just, how do I deal with that? How do I deal with that issue? And every journey is different. So is that question... Some at a very young age. Is that question still in your head 24-7? I remember when uh, I came out, I got a lot of letters, a lot from trans people. And since I had never met anybody who was trans until I came out, I just loved calling up people. So if they left their number, I'd give them a call. And I remember talking to this one, actually it was a trans girl who had transitioned like 15 years earlier in Los Angeles. And she goes, you know, we were talking about all of this stuff and she goes, you know what? For me, it was probably about five years in. That one night I went to, was jumped into bed, turned the light off, and I'm laying there. And she says, I thought to myself, wait a second. This entire day, not once did I think about gender and my identity. And she goes, it was such a milestone for her. Yeah, huge. You know, huge milestone that she couldn't get to sleep. She says, oh my God, I never, I just went on with my life. I was just me and went on with life. And for her, that was like five years in. Have you had that moment yet? I I am extraordinarily comfortable with myself. You know, for the first time, I love getting up in the morning and I look in the mirror and it's me. Okay, it's so simple. I mean, Mm. life is so much more simple now. But because I work in this field and I deal... Right, you, you know, have to talk about it all the time. Yeah. I talk about it constantly, uh, trying to bring this issue forward, um, that I really can't get away from it, you know, from that standpoint. And that's good. And that's, you know, but the one of the many of, reasons why I did it. You but know? the kind of restlessness or unease that you might have felt before... That- it's all gone. It's so simple. One suitcase... A lot bigger suitcase. Right. (laughs) Which is now not for him or her, but for you. Just, yes, it's all for Caitlin. Yes. Yes. Um, Yes. Uh, um, You know, people think, oh, it's so much more work in this and that. Yeah, it is. It takes me longer to get ready in the morning and all that kind of stuff. You just don't kind of roll out of bed and, you know, run down to Starbucks. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's a little more work, but uh, that's fine. I mean, I just love all that stuff. I never could do it for so long. But just to wake up in the morning and just be yourself, it's it's, just, it's like a wonderful thing. Liberating yeah. thing. It's so liberating. One, one thing I'm interested to hear you talk about uh, more, and you've already talked about your relationship with the, the trans community, if you like, and how yeah. you do feel almost a kind of responsibility as a to 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 represent that in a loose way Uh, and i'm just wondering there was some discussion when you did come out that said it's unfair to make you this kind of iconic figure because Mm -hmm. for one thing actually this was said very early on after those very striking images on the front of vanity fair that just not every trans woman is going to be as beautiful as you are and that's setting the bar kind of quite high i got in nothing but trouble okay the trans community Love them to death. There's some great, wonderful, wonderful people there. But the Internet has given them the opportunity to have a voice. Okay, made a few mistakes along the way. I'm not perfect. Okay, I didn't know anything about this community, made a few mistakes. And I remember in one one interview or something, I forget which one it was. um, You know, I said, hey, I take my appearance seriously. You know, I mean, I want to do as good a job and as be as authentic as I can because I've said that it it I think it uh, makes people more comfortable around you, um, and uh, so yeah, I've always been in a position where I you know want to want to look as as good as I possibly can, and I think it puts people around you at ease. Oh boy, did the community come down on me for saying that? Right. Okay. Now this was my own personal opinion and my own personal story, and that's what I was referring to, not to the community in general. But there are so many people. There are a lot of people out there certainly don't have the resources uh, to be able to do a few things to help themselves out to look a little bit better. And there's a lot you of mean, people so that hear about cosmetic things or yes, surgery, other things, things that might beautify totally, somebody. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and to be honest with you, there's a lot of them out there that just kind of want to look gender non-conforming. Okay. And I wasn't speaking for that. I was only speaking for my own experience, but the community, like, how can Caitlin say that? I have said from the beginning, I am not a spokesperson for the trans community. I have said from the beginning, I'm a spokesperson for my journey. My platform is different than probably most trans people. One, it's a bigger platform. Uh, I'm out there, but it's my platform, and I'm going to use my platform and my resources to try to bring these issues forward. And I would wish every person in the trans community, big or small, can use their platform to bring this issue forward. Trans people are everywhere okay and there's no borders it doesn't stop at the border Mm -hmm. it's part of humanity um and everybody has a platform and to bring our issue forward we all need to really work together and sure at the beginning did i have a lot to learn yeah of course i did i made mistakes this and that to be honest with you and i don't really want to get heavily into this but you know, I got in more grief for coming out as a Republican than I did for coming out as being trans. We are going to get onto that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, don't. I, I knew I was going to lead you right into that, Jonathan. We'll, we'll come um, to that stuff. Yeah. But, but, yeah. But, on, but on this thing, it's interesting because on the one hand, and I, I totally get both of these statements, even though in a way you could think they're contradictory, because you've said to just now today, on the one hand, you're, you can't be a spokesperson for the community. And yet on the other, you said that in your encounters with people, even the the guy who doesn't get it in Starbucks, right. that you do feel a responsibility to sort of represent or you know put a good face of course. forward for, for other trans people. So of both course. things at once. Of course. Well, trans people are everywhere. Um, I, even when I first came out, I said I never met anybody who was trans. 
Okay. Well, I found out one of the guys in our production crew uh, was a trans guy. I never knew that. Okay. Nobody ever told me, you know, um, I would have loved to have known that before and I could have talked to him. But um, yeah, trans people are pretty much everywhere in every facet of life. And it's it's a lot bigger community than you realize. I mean, when, when we're talking about the, what other trans people, the community, and particularly those who are more politically uh, mm-hmm. politicized, if you like, uh, make of you. Uh, one thing I, I think, and I don't have the exact form of words you used in the book, but the sentiment was more or less that you are uh, not the same as non-trans women. You weren't born a woman, and therefore mm-hmm. that will be different. There will be experiences there that will always be different. And always. And there is some, you know, even I think there's discussion about identifying as a trans woman rather than just saying, I'm a woman. And that therefore, and that some of the things that trans people are arguing for is to be is for it to be more uh, straightforward than that, and simply mm-hmm. to say, "I'm a woman." There's no other complication. There's no difference in a way yes. between you and other women, no matter how they're born. Just my talk me story, into that. Yeah, my story was very different. First of all, I lived sixty-five years of my life as a male. Um, my journey to womanhood was different. Little Caitlin was always there. Okay. Um. Uh, but do you understand in a way those yes. trans women who want to say, women, no, don't make a distinction, I'm a woman, full stop, period. And I support them, okay? Same thing about pronouns. I'm not as quite a sticking sticking point about pronouns. Like my daughters, uh, Kendall and Kylie, the, the youngest ones, they go, you know, when I was telling my story and as we started to really kind of get into this, oh my God, what do we call you? And I said... Dad, I mean, I will always be your dad, you know, till the day I die. So if you want to still call me dad, you know, respect me and call me Caitlin. They actually, they're very good at it because they do one of the more difficult things. They said, my dad, she. Wow. And that's tough to move your pronouns around like and, that. And what yeah. about when they're face to face with you? What do they call uh, Yeah, them? my dad. Or if they're in an interview or talking to somebody. Yeah, my dad, she is this, this, and but this. face to face, looking you in the eye, what do they call you? Uh, they call me dad. They call you dad still. Yeah, yeah. and I, I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm their dad. Okay. And I'll always be their dad. And, you know, but somebody in the communities would say, oh, God, you can't do that and this and that. I don't have a problem with that. So my journey was different. Okay. I am very comfortable to call myself a trans woman. Okay, because my life experiences were different leading up to this. Okay, to womanhood. I don't think certainly I am any less of a woman, but I didn't experience a lot of things along the way. And never had a period, never going to birth a child. Basically, physically, I am a woman who has had a hysterectomy. Okay, so those women are out there. But on the other hand, I think I also bring something to womanhood. I lived a long time as a guy and observing women. To be honest with you, I am kind of happy for that experience. Um, I think too many women grow up thinking they're like, and and rightfully so, because society treats them that way, that like they're a second-class citizen, you know, like... They're kind of in the background. They're not as physically strong. They're in the background. Women aren't supposed to be strong and this and that. That's the guy supposed to do that. And I think a lot of women fall into into that trap. Um, I have always been with very strong women, okay, especially the last one, Chris, very strong, very strong businesswoman and this and that. And I think women underestimate the amount of power that they do have in society. 
Um, and since I came from a different direction, from manhood, um, I, I see that in women, you know, and I think they can be more assertive. I think they can go out and get what they want. Um, but society kind of has pushed them back a little bit. I mean, that's, an and inter- that's it's changing. Do you think, I'm but, just going to put this sort of perhaps slightly crudely, but do you think, therefore, that women should realize and sort of uh, own the kind of maleness within them, that every woman actually should realize they have a sort of Bruce yes, within them that can actually be a bit them. of strength? A little bit of Bruce in everybody, okay? Um, yeah, we... And I think as we have in society, this is, to me, it's very fascinating, gender roles, okay? You know, for the longest time, the gender roles were the guy was the dominant one and this and that, and the little wife stayed home and birthed children and this and that. But women have gotten out of that. They've got into the workplace. They've got this. And and in society, we talk about the feminization of men, and maybe we should go back to the good old, you know, good old days when men were men. Um, but I, I don't... To be honest with you, I don't think we're going back there. Um, but to look at gender roles, um, yeah, it's very interesting in how a lot of these things have changed. Um, you know, if you look in business, how women, uh, especially in, in business, have come on in the last, you know, 30, 40 years uh, to where pretty much all women, when they're, when they're growing up, they're not thinking about just, oh, I'm going to grow up and be a wife and stay home and birth children. They think, oh, I want a career. I want to be able to do that. And I work in the television business, which is dominated you know, by women. I mean, it's, it's amazing you know, to me. Although I'm sure what a lot of women would say, particularly with these revelations recently about sexual harassment, is that they are still massively discriminated against in terms of pay, in terms of harassment at work, particularly in the entertainment industry. Yes. But let me go back to this thing you were saying, we, just this discussion around um, those trans women who want to drop the modifier there and just want to say they're women and feel it's very important that there aren't these distinctions made. Mm -hmm. And you've said that's fine for them, but, you know, you had your own Mm -hmm. journey. Do you nevertheless understand why uh, why there are those trans women who really... In, don't, who don't want to allow in this notion of a distinction that just want it to be clear once you've identified as a woman you are a woman because as you said before gender isn't about kind of your bits it's about what's going on between your uh, yes. ears and that and they say because that's in my in my my identity in my mm-hmm. soul is the way you put it before i'm a woman therefore i'm a woman and, there, and there's no further discussion needed do you understand that? i understand that no i totally understand that um, but do you, do you think they're right no, or are in, they wrong? In their in their life, they're right. Okay, um, and no, I you know it's kind of a tough one. Uh, yeah, no, I would I totally support them in uh, that they want to make sure that when they transition, they are treated every way as a woman or going the opposite direction, female to male. They are treated as a man. If you notice, we notice we also we mostly talk about male to female. Yes, that's true. And the split is about fifty fifty. And yet the discussion is more about the male sto- to the female. The is, yeah, is, that's true. And, I mean, and, the reason, and you wonder the, why you wonder why that is. And again, it is going from this masculine male to this yes. female. Okay, but it's okay to go from or you don't see it. First of all, the guys transition so easily. 
I mean, they get on testosterone, they start working out, they grow a beard, they have top, what they call top surgery, and they're pretty much ready to go, and they blend into society. Easier. Easy, so much easier. I mean, I suppose the reason why I'm asking is, in this country particularly, the argument around all this has got quite toxic, maybe in this country more than in the United States, I'm not sure, but, you know, with... Um, some on the in the trans community accusing particularly women uh, of you know turfs is this term trans exclusionary radical feminists <laughs> Jermaine Greer feminist icon have been bad, d- denied a platform from speaking at various universities around the country in this country because of remarks that were interpreted or be- deemed transphobic. Um, you're looking really? at me quizzically, which is interesting, as if as if perhaps this ha- this isn't a live issue for you, but it's become quite you know radioactive here with uh you know cisgender women born uh, as women saying uh look there are they're absolutely up for trans rights they're fully accepting and embracing of somebody like you but they just want to say there are these differences and that's how they would put it yeah i may be i may be characterizing it wrongly but i'm just into what you think of that debate and whether it's i may be a little bit more realistic about answering that question and say yes our there are differences okay our experiences are different just like every woman has a different experience growing into her womanhood. Maybe she grew up as a female, but her experiences are different as she grows up. For trans people, it's kind of the same way. Their experiences were different in growing up to to womanhood. Um, And I think as a trans person, they just deserve all the respect that they can possibly get. Their journey to womanhood was a lot more difficult than a cis, cis woman, okay? Their journey was very difficult to get there. And I, I support them in their decision, and, and I support them in the sense that they are real women, okay? And that's, that's the way they feel. That's the way they should be treated. Um, sometimes the community can be pretty tough on themselves. I've noticed in the United States, most of the criticism of me has come from within the community. And that I'm white, I'm privileged, um, I have a job and money and this and that. When we have in our community, is in the United States, but all over the world, tremendous problems. We've got a suicide rate that's out of control, nine times higher than the general public. Yeah. Um, especially 41% of all trans youth up at the, before the age of 21 attempt suicide. Hmm. I mean, think that's about colossal. That. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's extraordinarily difficult for these young kids. Did you ever get to that point yourself? Uh, only one time that I ever really seriously think about suicide, and that's when, you know, about nine months before I actually transitioned. Oh, really? It's because the media was so, so hard on me. And I knew they had a picture that was coming out the next day. And I said, you know what? The easy way is to go and got a gun on the house and just, you know, end it right here. What was the picture? Uh, of me, I got a tracheal shave. Right. And um, before any of the Diane Sawyers or any of that stuff, I thought I could sneak in and sneak out, you know, and not get caught. <laughs> That's impossible. Uh, so this but, is the... I'm sorry, I'm not fully aware what TMC that is. That's hair removal that is part tracheal of... Tracheal shave? No, it's actually removing the Adam's up. I'm sorry, I didn't understand. That's, okay. That's it's, not a, it's not like shaving. Shave. I it's, understand. It's sorry. It's a shave okay. of the tracheal. Yeah. Uh, I see. So that's a stage of tra- the transitioning process? Uh, yes. It's... Uh, well, in most cases, yes. If you can do that, you know, kind of get rid of the Adam's apple, it makes a big difference. I see. And so this was they, the, the youth worried that the tabloids were going to see she's transitioning before you were ready to say so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they would make it a tabloid story instead of, uh, you know. Yeah. There was a lot that went into actually coming out. 
So but, you, you, that was your, you know, if you like, your yeah. lowest point. Then. Yeah, that was the lowest point. And mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep that night. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm walking up and down the halls of my little house. I was living in, in Malibu. I'm uh, thinking, yeah, you know, that's an option right now. And then the next day I thought, oh, that's ridiculous you can think about this. Why silence my voice? I can do more here. Yes. You know? Um, and so, you know, that was kind of kind of the bottom um, before I actually transitioned. And, you know, uh, then talking to my children. And for me, the last thing I had to do is I'm a person of faith. I had to talk to my pastor, uh, tell him my story. And after three hours with him talking about all these issues that night, I thought, you know what? Maybe this is the reason God put me on this earth at this time and at this place to one you can't do it unless you know it's the right thing to do. Live your life authentically. And then um, after that, uh, maybe you can make a difference in the world. You mentioned politics before. and uh, I did? You did. No, and I, I must didn't. ask you about this. Oh, you talked about God, being coming out as a Republican. We... How disappointed have you been by Donald Trump? And you did you know, back him um, mm-hmm. during the campaign. I didn't really technically. I was a Republican. I backed the Republican right. Party. And but you voted for to him be to be president. Yeah. And, and then since then, and you couldn't have known this was coming, but one of the things he's done, he's done many, many things, but one of them was to propose mm-hmm. a ban on transgender people serving in the military. And I'm just wondering how disappointed you are uh, in him. Uh, terribly disappointed. Honestly, I only talked to him one time, and that was way before in the campaign when the whole bathroom issue in North Carolina was going on and how ridiculous that was. But, And he had supported the LGBT community in the past. He um, he supported a girl named Jenna Telekova in, in 2012, way before all of this. Uh, who was in the Miss Universe pageant in, out of Canada, and a trans woman, beautiful woman. And he goes, hey, if she makes it here, she is welcome, you know, and really was very good about it. And uh, the one time I did talk to him way during the campaign, before he was even the nominee, you know, I talked to him and he says, I'm going to be great for the LGBT community. Well, he hasn't, okay? Um and he started with Title IX, which was an equality issue uh, that was originally started for sports in school. Um, and they've kind of expanded it. And they also wanted to put gender identity in there, which Obama did do as an executive. It wasn't law, law, but it was an executive order. Um, and so that was in place that and helps our community. Um, Obama also put trans people in the military could serve openly. Which, in fact, here in Great Britain, you can. I mean, there are yep. trans people in the military. Yep. I think there's 19 countries, including Israel, Great Britain, Australia, you know, some major countries, major powers that let trans people serve in the military. But he's on the other side of that issue. And does it mean that if he is the Republican candidate, and I know that's where your political affiliations lie, yeah. if he is the candidate again in 2020, would you vote for him again? Um, that's an excellent question. I've thought about that. I would have a hard time because he's been so bad um, on in, in setting our community back. Um, yeah, the whole military thing. But I, I, I honestly, I don't even know if it's going to wind up going through. They just lost a court order last last. Uh, right, and the, and the military chiefs themselves are sort of blocking it. But, yeah, but and think- the military chiefs themselves. So I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, just like move on. It's just a subject. We have so many other bigger issues in our country to deal with, and just you know, just leave the little trans people alone. But gut instinct, if his name's on the ballot, do you put? Do you, do you pull the lever for Donald Trump next time? Uh, well, first of all, it's over three years away. 
Um, let's see how the economy's doing. Let's see how our country's doing. Let's see how our position in the world is. Much more bigger issue than, than trans issues. I'm not a one-issue voter. So I, but as far as the trans issues, uh, he's been horrible. Yeah. And I, so, yeah, we, you know, we got to just keep fighting the good fight. Last couple of things left because our time is running out. Uh, you mentioned that when you were, before you'd come out, that you made these journeys in your car and walking through hotel lobbies, but you didn't want to speak because uh, you thought your voice would give mm-hmm. you away. And here we've been listening to your voice all yeah. this time. How, what's your feeling about your own voice uh, now? Okay. When you go through something like this, there's, uh, there's a million reasons why it's not going to work. Okay, uh, I'm too tall. I actually I was six uh, two all my life. Just recently, I had a physical, and she said I'm six one. Mm. And I go, no way, I'm six two. You must have <laughs> measured wrong. I go up there, back on them, look, I'm six one. I'm thinking this is perfect. You know, I said by the time I'm like time I'm ninety, I'll be a perfect five ten. <laughs> you know, so I'm going the right direction there. I'm only six one now, so I can go an inch higher on the heel. Yeah, I'm looking at you the know? heels now. Yes, You're... okay, thank you. Yeah, they're, they're significant. They're significant. There's three yes. inches there at least. I'm yes, little. and so um, you know, you're too tall. Your voice is terrible. All this kind of stuff. And at some point, you just go, "It's my voice, and that's what it is. It's who I am." Okay, you know, there's things you could do. There's surgeries you can have to your voice to help pitch and this and that, and take lessons to help with your voice. And I just go, that's just way too much trouble. You know, my voice. Don't listen to the pitch of my voice. Listen to maybe, hopefully, what I have to say. And so, but I still get like I I fly airplanes and stuff, and I still get a yes sir on the plane. I, I get that. I even listen to, if I'm doing an interview, I listen to it back and I go, oh, God, the voice kind of really sucks. It doesn't fit the image. Um, but it's me. And and it's too much work. And um, I just don't. You it's know. you. I think that's a good way to think Yeah. So, and, and it's fine. T- tell me, the um, for a whole new generation of people, you became well-known because of the Kardashian mm-hmm. TV show. What is, and, and I know it was interesting when you did this Diane Sawyer interview, which you've referred to a couple of times, it, the, the Kardashian clan were not with you for that interview. And mm-hmm. I, I think it was the children from your first marriage who were there instead. Right. What, what is your relationship with the Kardashian thing, the Kardashian clan, the people? What's your relationship with all of that now? Um... Not as good as I would like it to be. Um, I really don't talk to really any of them anymore. Uh, Chris, I really haven't had a conversation. Although, it was her birthday yesterday, and I did text her happy birthday. Did you get a reply? Yeah. She says, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Just a couple of days ago, my daughter was 20. uh, Kendall was 22, and she had a party. And I went, and uh, a lot, you know, Kim was there, Courtney was there, Chris was there. I have not really seen or talked to them in a very long time. Why is that? I just just don't need to get into it. Um, Yeah, there was just all sorts of issues. Um, I love those kids. I spent almost 25 years of my life, a third of my life. Um, raising them, carpooling them, taking out and helping them get the show going and being part of that show and part of their lives for so many years. And then, you know, they kind of went another direction. Is it Uh, around this, though? Is it around the coming out? You know what? Uh, I wondered about that, and I don't think it is. I really don't think it is about me coming out or they've been actually very supported on the the trans issues. It's other things, uh, things that were said in the book that they didn't agree with. And it was not a book about the Kardashians. It was a book about me and my journey. 
and I think there was only maybe 20 pages about the Kardashians, but they were 25 years of my life. And they didn't agree with some of the things in there. And so Chris says, I'm never going to talk to you again. Right. Oh, okay. And the kids followed that lead. And the kids, yeah. And mm-hmm. the kids follow Chris's lead. Mm-hmm. And so it's put a lot of strain in the family. And so, but it'll get better. You know, as time goes on, Kendall had a little thing and it was the first time I'd seen Kim and Courtney and certainly Chris. And, you know, I was cordial. Some people have wondered if there's a kind of celebrity envy thing going on on their side, which is they resented the bit of spotlight, which went suddenly no, on you. With not this Not that. That is the most social media family in the world. They yes. have all the spotlight they need. Yes, yes, <laughs> they, they, yeah, they can, we can sit down on the couch and I can reach about, oh my gosh, you know, at least a half a billion people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just huge. Yeah. Uh, my kids, I'm so proud of them. They're all extraordinarily smart, hardworking, just, you know, especially Kendall and Kylie. You know, Kendall's like the top model in the world. Kylie does extraordinarily well with her cosmetic line. And, and they're just great kids. And Kendall and Kylie, I see all the time. I talk to them, you know, uh, all the time. So my final question, we've talked about your relationship with all of them. But mm-hmm. my last question is what your relationship is now with Bruce. Um, my relationship is actually very good with him. Um, I don't regret anything in my life. I'm still very proud of what he was able to accomplish and the games and this and that. Knowing little Caitlin was part of all of that, you know. Um, Bruce was a good person. He raised great kids. He was hardworking. He was morally, had good moral character. Um, yeah, he was, it was a good part of my life. Uh, was it all of me? No. I mean, I do a lot of speaking and I remember, you know, so many times be up there in front of a thousand people giving my speech about the games and about competition and this and that, you know, finding the champion within it was called. And underneath my suit, I would have a little bra and pantyhose on or something and, and uh, just to make myself feel a little bit better about myself. And I'd done the speech so many thousands of times. I could look around the audience as I'm giving the speech and thinking, these people know nothing about me, okay? I didn't want to be defined for 48 hours, okay? That two days in the stadium was controlling my life. And I would walk off the stage and I would always felt like I cheated the audience. Like I I didn't tell, I wouldn't, didn't have the opportunity to tell him the whole story because there's so much more to me than just those 48 hours. The 48 hours in the Montreal Um, Stadium in 1976. Yeah, those, those 48 hours. There's so much more to me. And so, and I would walk off the stage feeling like a fraud, like I just didn't tell him the whole story and everything my life has been through. And actually go up to my room, probably cross dress and then go walk around or do something to make me feel better about myself. And, um, uh, now I can finally tell the whole story, you know, Bruce's whole story of what he was going through. Uh, my story today is as Caitlin. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what he was able to accomplish. It was very sad the day I got my driver's license. And it said Caitlin Marie Jenner on it. And I thought, wait a second. Then I got my birth certificate, which was changed to Caitlin Marie Jenner, gender marker F passport, all those types of things. It was, I cried. It was almost like I threw little Bruce out the door, Mm. you know, but as if you were burying him somehow. Yeah. I was putting him away. He wouldn't be anymore. Um, and, 
uh, it was it was sad. I mean, and I even cried a little bit. Thought, wow, you know, he's like gone. You know, it's me today. But still, little Bruce now lives inside. Caitlin lived inside for many, many years. Let's give Caitlin an opportunity. Let's see if Caitlin can do something. And what a great opportunity in life to be playing in the fourth quarter of life and um, all of a sudden be kind of rejuvenated to say, now I have a cause. This is me. Uh, This is who I am. And I have a cause and, and I have the opportunity to maybe make a difference in a very marginalized community, not just here, but all around the world in a very marginalized community that's misunderstood. Maybe Caitlin could do something. Bruce pretty much did everything. He raised all his children, great kids, won the games. He was a good person, morally sound human being. He did everything he could do. Now was a chance for her. She's been here all my life. A chance for her to live. And let's see what she can do. So for me, that's been it's been so much fun. The book is called Secrets of My Life by Caitlin Jenner. And Caitlin, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Jonathan, talking to you.